Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Sports Radio 1300. Once again, here's Chris Cross, Mike Cameron, and Matthew Lawrence. Okay, uh, our first interview had to run just a little bit short. He had another thing he had to run to, and so we jumped on Aaron a little bit early. And Aaron, I apologize to you. We are a little bit early in our date tonight, but thanks for joining us early. It's no problem, and I usually come on at 6. You, you guys didn't want me to talk baseball today? Is that my understanding of things? No, Mikey said he didn't like you, so I said, well, all right, we'll just yeah. we'll push him back well, and bring him up later. How's the book going? Uh, the book has been great. I appreciate you guys having me on Friday. We are still in the final stages with the publisher. It should be ready, I really, really hope, in the next week. Um, but the response has been great. Uh, a lot of outlets uh, around Kentucky, probably guys that you guys know well in the media, have reached out. Uh, you know, others have. I have reached out to, and my assistant has. Uh, it's rolling, man, and it's going to be. I, I can't wait for this to to be ready to go and and get it into people's hands. They're going to love it. It's going to be something that I think every Kentucky fan is going to really enjoy. Going to want to share with their friends. Going to want to buy for their loved ones at Christmas. It's really exciting. I just I just wish this darn thing was out. But uh, you know, another couple days and we'll be good to go. Well, I have never had more inquiries on social media on my Twitter account. Facebook count, uh, people that heard the interview about it the other night, but you know how people are like that, and they were inquiring, uh, yes. what is the name of the book? And the, so there are a lot of interest is built up around here about your book. Perfect. Well, I'll, I'll get to the easy part first. The, the, all the information is at KentuckyBasketballBook.com. I tried to find the simplest URL I could, or simplest website, because like everyone, I myself get confused very easily. Uh, all the information is there. It will be available on Amazon as soon as the book is ready. So that, that makes it easy. Everyone knows Amazon. Everyone's used Amazon before. The title of the book is One in Fun. Uh, a behind-the-scenes look at the 2000 John, John Calipari and the 2010 Kentucky Wildcats. One and fun, obviously a play on one and done. Um, you know, Dwayne Peavy, who at the time was the sports information director for Kentucky, still works over there, told me repeatedly throughout the process of working with him and, and interviewing him and interviewing other people how fun that season was. And that was really the big takeaway from everybody that I talked to, players, coaches, administrators. They loved working with that team. The, the season didn't quite end the way that, that all fans and players had hoped for. But the administrators to this day will tell you they haven't had a more fun season since John Calipari's been there. Uh, since uh, other than that 2010 team. So the title of the book, again, is One in Fun, a behind-the-scenes look at John Calipari and the 2010 Kentucky Wildcats, and KentuckyBasketballBook.com is where you can find information excerpts. And you can certainly sign up also uh, for a kind of a, an email newsletter where I'll be just emailing you updates throughout the process and certainly up to, uh, emailing you as well as soon as the book is ready. Uh, well, you, you and I are, follow each other on Twitter, so, yeah, I'd be interested if you'd put that out there so we can keep up with it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'll put it all out there again as soon as um, as soon as I get off line, as soon as I get off the phone here with you guys, and uh, certainly anyone. You guys all know I'm very active on social media. Happy to answer any questions there. You can also email KentuckyBasketballBook at gmail dot com. I'm personally answering all those emails, and uh, I'm happy to answer any questions that anybody has. Now, Aaron, for people who did not hear the interview the other day and maybe just peek in and out to this show, 
Uh, the reason there now there are other teams. Obviously, we have a national championship team in twelve with Anthony Davis, and we got thirty-eight and one last year. And we have there's some pretty special years that happened between that time. But you were sent off to do an article on this team, and it just kind of turned into a big project for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you kind of reiterating that because it is a lot of people that that aren't as familiar with my work day to day, and as you said, kind of swoop in here and there. Um, yeah, last uh, it was really around this time last year that I, I was kind of uh, I pitched an idea to, to my editor, and he loved it, and all the world, you know, all the credit to him for him giving me the green light to do it. But uh, you know, really looking back as we kind of approached basically what was the five year anniversary of that team coming together, um, just how they really changed the sport. And I know that I've we you and uh, you know we've talked about this many times that I've been on the show. Um, the sport of college basketball was a lot different before John uh, John Kelly party showed up in Kentucky, brought John Wall, Eric Bledsoe, and Marcus Cousins with him. Um, it, it, it was uh, so that was the initial kind of hypothesis of the piece. Look back on this team, how they changed things, how people perceive them five years later versus at the time. And as you guys know and remember, you know there was a lot of negative press around that team at the time. And I think people have come to realize now that hey, you know these were pretty good kids. Hey, you know John Wall might be an actually a, a pretty decent guy. I believe he just donated a sizable chunk to charity since the right. last time I've been on this. Yeah, so, I mean, that was really what it was about, and and I finished the article, the response was great, uh, you know, I came on with you guys and a few other uh, media outlets, and, and you guys were all great to have me, and it just felt like when that was done, there was still more to do, there were more kind of fun stories, more behind-the-scenes stuff, more things that, you know, frankly, probably Kentucky fans know, but may have forgotten, or maybe didn't even know at all, you know, I had a a good friend of mine who's a Kentucky fan read the book, and she told me point blank that, that she learned some stuff about the team as well. So it just felt like when the project was done, I had fun, but there was more to do. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't really believe in that team, how fun they were, how fun they were to cover, to relive. And, uh, you know, as I've said repeatedly, I, I know fans are going to love it. My only regret is that it couldn't be out right now for them. But give me another week, 10 days, uh, and I'll, you know, next by this time next week, I hope to have uh, good news for you guys and be able to certainly give anyone listening any information they might want. I can't believe uh, that there's a better gift for the holidays than your book. We have so many basketball fans here in this town. Just to pick this up and give it to Uncle John or anybody for Christmas, it's, it's going to be a great gift. Yeah, I think so, and and I I, I really uh, honestly believe that. And um, you know, I I think you know being a, what I've said repeatedly is is I'm telling I'm saying this from a, a sincere place in my heart. I'm not saying it as the author of the book. I'm saying it as somebody who loves a good story, and who loves you know good writing. And I'm not saying that I'm the best writer, but um, this is an incredible story. I really think Kentucky fans are going to enjoy it. I certainly think uh, it's going to make a great gift for the Kentucky fan, uh, you know, in your life. And and I think that. Uh, you know, really the hope is that, that a lot of people are purchasing it either before the holidays, during the holiday season, whatever, um, because it is going to make a great gift, and it is going to be something that Kentucky fans kind of, you know, pick up for, you know, a chapter or two on Christmas Day, and they don't end up putting it down until eight, nine, ten chapters later. I really think it's that good, and, and again, I'm not saying that as the author, but as somebody who enjoys good writing, and, and I've had a few, uh, as I said, Kentucky fans read it, uh, and they loved it, and so I, I really think that this is going to be something that people around the state enjoy. You know, Aaron, we've got we've grown used to Calipari here now. As you say, it's been over a five-year anniversary of that team, but we were getting to know Calipari when this 
uh, when you started the story of this team, uh, the John mm-hmm. Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. But the thing that always stuck out to me, because we uh, saw these big, goofy guys like uh, DeMarcus Cousins and, and all the things that were going on, John Wall, a blur up and down the court. But the thing that stuck out, that was that was right in the middle of the Haitian earthquake that occurred. Mm-hmm. And yes. Calipari took that team, and I remember they went on TV and raised all this money for the people in Haiti. And that was yes. the first time I got to thinking, you know, I like these guys. Yeah, yeah, and those are the exact kind of stories that, you know, I may have touched on it for a sentence or two in the original story, and it's like, wow, why not do, you know, a thousand words on it or four thousand words and really get behind the scenes and really take you into that TV control room and really, whatever the case is, I mean, but that really is a testament to that entire team is that so many of those things happen. You know, I have a story in the book that I I don't know if it's common knowledge or not, but I'll I'll give you another good story from the book is there was a very famous uh, Slam magazine cover, and you can look it up, you can Google it, but Slam magazine, pretty prominent basketball magazine, mm-hmm. the title of the, the book, or the title of the cover was called The Hitmaker, and it was kind of, you know, John Calipari has done this at Memphis with Derrick Rose and Tyreek Evans, and now he does it with John Wall and, and you know, his crew of guys. And, and what the, the backstory to that was, and again, credit to Dwayne Peavy, who works uh, at Kentucky still for telling me this, is that basically Slam magazine just wanted John Wall. And John Wall said, you know, I, I, I'm very honored, but I'd much prefer to have my teammates on here with me. And, uh, you know, so, so uh, you know, they went back to Slam Magazine and said, John doesn't want to do it by himself. And so they said, okay, we'll take Patrick Patterson and we'll take DeMarcus Cousins. And, and those three guys kind of looked at each other and said, you know, we can't leave Eric Bledsoe off this thing. And so they, they went back to Slam for a third time and said, you know, we really appreciate this offer, but we can't do it if we can't get all four guys on. Um, and the reason I bring that story up is because it's, it's one of many from, you know, the season that kind of got lost in the shuffle. But it shows you what kind of guys those guys were and what kind of character they had. And I think it, it, it speaks to the point that you guys just brought up of the fact that, that you know, there was a perception about DeMarcus Cousins out there that, that maybe he wasn't the nicest guy. And there was a perception out, out there about John Wall that he was only at Kentucky because the rules made him be, and he didn't care about the school and all that stuff. And, you know, those guys did an incredible job throughout the season of endearing themselves to that fan base and really uh, an incredible job over the last four, five, six years of, of endearing themselves to the general public and proving that whatever misconceptions certain people had of them, it's not true. And so I think the, the broader point is that those guys were just such a likable group of guys and, Every fan base, you know, every fan kind of had the different moment where they fell in love with them. I mean, I'm, I didn't grow up in Kentucky or a Kentucky fan, but I still remember DeMarcus coming to that press conference with the, the, the glasses and the hat on. And it's like, mm-hmm. man, these are like 18-year-old kids. They're, this is great. And so um, that team, um, you know, what everyone's told me that's true is that, as you guys said, there's been teams that, that – you know, there's a team that won a championship. There's a team that had an undefeated regular season. But this one had the most personality. And uh, to reiterate, this one had the most fun as well. Give me a boogie story. Can I have one DeMarcus Cousins story? Uh, man, I, you know, jeez, uh, you know, the big thing was everybody just adored that guy. I think the big one was, and I, the, the kind of the quote itself may have lived in the original article that I wrote last year, but um, or last March, I should say. But, you know, when, when John Calipari got there, this big Blue Madness event that, that everyone has grown to, to love and adore, and uh, I will be there this year, so I'm very excited about that. But, you know, it was something that, that everyone that I interviewed with said, 
it was something that kind of the players felt, or the coaching staff, you know, they, they had to put on a show, but it wasn't something that the players and the coaches really enjoyed. It was something they kind of, quote-unquote, had to do. And John Calipari changed that, and, you know, the, the stories now are pretty commonplace of him bringing out pizza and him bringing out donuts and all that stuff. And, and the thing that the coaching staff told me was, you know, DeMarcus Cousins would be out there on those blue courts over there playing pickup until 1, 2, 3 in the morning with these with these kids. And, and I know that um, – you know, uh, that Nerlens Noel has since done that, and there's a lot of guys that now do that. But at the time, it was just such a such a novel idea, and the coaching staff was actually worried. They're like, this guy won't go home, and, like, <laughs> you know, we need him to be healthy for the start of the season. And, you know, I think the quote was Orlando Antigua, but he's like, we were afraid that guy was going to get hurt, man, and that was the franchise. So um, DeMarcus, uh, you know, was larger than life and uh, is, and, and the, obviously the fans adore him and the players do too. So, um, no, I mean, it's just – he uh, he is as interesting a character uh, as you know I've had the opportunity to cover and um, you know just one of many big characters on that team. As well. Incidentally, that is going on right now the camp out as we yeah. call it, and there are what what did we hear today, Chris, five hundred and forty tents, yeah, five eighty three, five eighty three are a number of tents that are over there right now, and I'm sure uh-huh. that probably the players are out there. But one thing I want to mention: my first I knew who Demarcus Cousins was. But we had gone to a press conference, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm standing there listening to Coach Cal talk, and I feel this on my shoulder. And I look Mm -hmm. over there, and and DeMarcus Cousins has got his head stuck on my shoulder looking in on the press conference. (laughs) So that's what I'll always remember about him. Oh, I wish I had interviewed you guys for the story, because no, I mean, and that's that's the essence of that team is that they were fun. They were larger than life. You know, the John Wall dance is pretty famous now, but they were always dancing, having a good time. And like I said, you know, whether it was the the walk-ons, the, the the student managers, whatever it was, like the guys that, you know, really the guys that really hammered it home for me were the guys who had been there through the transition. And really, it's, it's crazy to think back, but some of them had actually been through two to- coaching transitions with uh, Tubby Smith to Gillespie and then Gillespie to Cal. But, I mean, those were the guys that, you know, I got – some of the best stories out of because it was just so different and you know I'm not here to to bash coach Gillespie and frankly you know I I didn't interview him for the piece or or the book and I don't want to put words in his mouth but the players it was just so refreshing to have guys like DeMarcus and John and Eric and and, you know just have them around and and really you know that was another thing that a lot of the administration told me is that um, having those guys around brought out a side and a, a personality in the older guys that they didn't know that they had so that DeMarcus story is awesome <laughs> I wish I had a little time to go back and uh, add it to the book but you know everybody has a story like that about DeMarcus and really about all those guys and um, you know as we were kind of talking about earlier I think it, it goes without saying that for the most part all those guys have gone out and as grown you know adult men gone out and kind of uh, continued the values that Coach Cal uh, instilled with them in that one year you know with the with John Wall's charity work and DeMarcus and Eric doing all kinds of stuff and and Patrick and Darius Miller and all that. So they were a good group of kids. And, you know, I, I've said it, you know, and I'll probably say it, you know, more as we do these interviews, but I wouldn't have done this if I didn't believe in the story and if I didn't really enjoy the story. So, um, you know, that's just kind of, like I said, the, the emotion that those guys bring out in people. Aaron, I, I got an idea. This could be really good. You could have three books like E.L. James, like, you know, like Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. This, this, yeah. right, this could be Fifty Shades of Aaron. And we got this one. And then we got a championship team in 2012. We got last year's yeah. teams. You might be able to get a triple header out of this thing. Hey, listen. Uh, first of all, I love that idea. Yeah. Second of all, <laughs> uh, uh, all I would say to that is 
again, I love the idea, but, you know, Coach Cal said it himself this summer. He said, you know, if we keep doing this for another four or five years, you know, who knows what we'll be capable of at that point. And he was, you know, talking more about, um, you know, the, the guys in the NBA and stuff like that. But it really kind of does speak to what the incredible work that he's done is in such a short amount of time. I mean, four Final Fours in six years is pretty incredible. And like you just said, three just incredibly memorable teams already and I'm sure there's another one or two to come I know that uh talking to people who cover the team they're excited about the optimism that this year's team has and we all know that Cal is going to continue to bring in really good players just as long as he's there well Cal has said this could be a very special year he said it kind of laughing like uh, I know you're probably not going to believe me but and when then as soon as you look back at these recruits who knows this really could be another special year but it, it just I don't know. I don't want to say take it for granted, but it's like the band just keeps going on. Yeah, and I, I think what what he's probably getting at, and I don't know if it's for sure, but, you know, it, you can't raise the bar on 38-0, you know, entering the tournament at whatever they were, 34-0. I mean, you can't raise the bar on that. You, you literally, in, in all seriousness, can't do better. But I think what, what he's probably getting at is that when you lose seven guys to the NBA, six drafted, I think it was, what, four in the first round? I, I can't remember the, all the numbers off the top of my head. Right. But when you, when, you, when you lose that much talent, the thought is, well, it's going to be a rebuilding year. And I think what he's saying is, I think that I have a team that's good enough to win, um, win it all. And it might be a, a team that, that goes, you know, 30 and 6 in the regular season and then turns it on in the tournament or whatever. But, you know, the point that he's trying to make is like, hey, we still got a pretty good team this year. And, and I certainly, I've told you this guys before, I, I don't follow, I don't cover recruiting, but I, I talk to guys who do. And the guys that they've brought in, there isn't the depth and the volume of guys as last year. But, man, Jamal Murray's really good. And, and Scala this year is really good. And, you know, you add him in with Marcus Lee and, uh, you know, uh, I'm just blanking out. Alex Poitras. Alex Poitras coming Poitras, back, yeah. <laughs> And that's what I was going to say, and Tyler Eulis as well. I mean, like I said, you know, the, you can't top 38-0, you can't top 34-0 in the regular season, but um, they're still going to be really good this year, and, and I think it's going to be a really fun year. And I think, you know, it's going, to be, it's, going to be, it's going to be a fun year in the sense that, like you guys are saying, is that the expectation isn't quite what it is, so you can enjoy it a little bit more. And uh, in a lot of ways, that was kind of like 2010, where the one thing that everyone told me about that season was that it was a joyride, that it was so unexpected, uh, you know, that you know, so unexpected, it all came so quickly that you kind of just enjoyed it and lived in the moment. And I think this year really could have a lot of those qualities just because the pressure to go be perfect and the pressure of having all these guys like you had last year might not be quite as high as it was. You know, I was kidding around to the, with the starting five today, talking to, to Michael and saying, well, you know, the, he's probably not going to go as deep this year. And then Mikey started naming off all the different guys who were coming. I said, holy mackerel, man. Maybe it'll be the same thing like we had last year with different names. This, guy, this guy's absolutely incredible. As he said, tanks coming over the hill to replace yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, it, you know, it was funny because, you know, all these preseason polls are starting to come out now, and a few of them, I think, have Kentucky number one. And, you know, off the top of my head, I thought, well, you know, they're probably – you know, top five, top eight, whatever. And then I see him number one. I said, no, that can't be right. And then you really start looking at the guys that they got. And like I said, you know, and the other thing, too, that, that, that I think plays into it is there was so much talk, you know, especially in Lexington where you guys are, about the guys that they didn't get 
late last year that you yeah. forget that one they got a couple guys really good early on in the process like you know Scal who may be the number one overall pick next year and then getting Jamal Murray late I think was the icing on the cake so I just think that um, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle how much talent is still there um, you know every year is different and I definitely don't want to come on the show in uh, the last day you know last couple of days of September and start making predictions for March but I you know like I've been saying and like you guys have been saying the talent is there to be really good maybe not historically good but but you know surprise some people and um you know uh, be a little bit better than, than you think you know all right Aaron. Uh, as soon as we leave you here in a moment we're going to take a break and then when we come back we're going to have one of our guys Hoscat, who's out there at the campsite if anything happens we'll let you know we'll we'll break the news to you okay i am here ready to listen all right <laughs> Aaron, you're the best thanks thank for being you, with us thank you Aaron Torres, everybody, he's with Fox Sports and the author of One in Fun. It does sound like a great book. As soon as it's out and you can all get it, we'll let you know. One in Fun. Maybe we can get one and give it away. I hope so. That'd be good. I, we have to get two to give one because I'm keeping one. Yeah, I want one, too. Oh, you want one, too? Yeah. we. Sal, you want one? We'll get him to send us a box of books. Sal's not getting one. No. No, he won't. He won't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with Huscat right after this. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.